This is True Crime Exposed, and I'm your host, Kayla Waters. Thanks for joining me each week alongside my co-host, Alicia Jenkins, as I dive into a new case with you. Our purpose here is to give victims a voice when they no longer have one. And by doing so, we expose the monsters lurking all around us. Welcome back, everyone. I'm going to warn you right from the top that today's episode is a tough one. When you hear the word mother, the typical thought would be someone nurturing, someone loving, someone who would lay down their own life to protect their children. So it's shocking to us when mothers in our society are not that way, when instead, They are the ones causing harm to their children. When a mother neglects and abuses her children, it is hard for me to swallow. These stories eat me up because I truly just don't understand it. Those babies you have are the easiest thing in the world to love from my point of view. So how is it that some mothers can turn out so evil? And those poor children are born to the monsters who will hurt them. You're probably not ready for it, but let's get into today's case. On August 30th, 2012, Gabrielle Blair would witness her own mother's wrath go from abusive to deadly. Gabrielle is also known as Gabby, and at this time in 2012, she was around 14 years old. She was the oldest child of Michelle Blair's four children. Michelle Angela Blair was born on May 10, 1979, making her 44 years old today in 2023. Back in 2012, when she started murdering her own children, she was just 33 years old. Her oldest children were Gabrielle and Stoney. These two daughters of hers, who were two years apart in age, shared the same father, and Michelle then went on to have her two sons with another man. Their oldest son was named Stephen. So Gabby and Stoney's dad is Alexander Dorsey, and then Stephen and the younger son's dad is Stephen Barry. So son Stephen is named after dad Stephen. The dad is just S-T-E-V-E-N, and then son Stephen is S-T-E-P-H-E-N. And I'm not sure what went down in Michelle and dad Stephen's relationship that brought it to an end, but I gather that it was a volatile ending. Gabby recalls in the Evil Lives Here documentary titled I Made It Out Alive that her mom and dad Stephen were continually at each other's throats. And then something else that showed me the narrative that this was a bad ending was the tattoo that Michelle toted. First, she has a tattoo on the front of her right arm that reads, Property of Stephen Always, Gabrielle, Stoney, Stephen, and Matthew. 
So I think that's Steven, the dad. And then she added her kids' names after that. Don't love the property of, but whatever, that's fine. And then she also has a tattoo on the left side of her neck that reads Steven. And this is referencing Dad Steven because it's his spelling, S-T-E-V-E-N. And then that tattoo is actually crossed out with a tattoo line. And next to this, there is another tattoo that reads, trust no one. So that gives you the idea that like their relationship didn't end very good because she crossed out his name on her neck and put trust no one <laughs> and then put trust no one instead oh my gosh okay <laughs> so that was just kind of that's funny. a tattoo that you might regret that is definitely a tattoo you would regret clearly but instead of just getting it covered up she wanted it shown that it was crossed out with a trust no one. Oh my gosh so it looks like Steven really pissed Michelle off, but who knows what he did because Michelle was just an angry person overall. And once both fathers of her children were out of the picture, she directed that anger and hatred towards her children. They were her new target. The fathers of the children stopped coming around and Michelle gained full control. Once she was single, Michelle worked a few odd jobs before just quitting and living off of the government and help from family and friends. Gabby remembers her mom using all of their money for alcohol and drugs, leaving the children with no food to eat at home. They ate canned potatoes often, for breakfast and for dinner. Gabby said during her interview on Evil Lives Here that she can't even look at a can of potatoes anymore because they were so awful to eat. Gabby also would try to share her ration of potatoes with her younger siblings because when they would cry out that they were still hungry, Michelle would become irate, telling them to stop being greedy. At this time in their life, when all the children were younger, they were being severely neglected. They were malnourished and they were underweight, but no one noticed, not even at school, where Gabby would literally eat the leftovers on other students' tray if they hadn't finished their food. But no one's taking notice that these kids are being neglected, so nothing happens. Michelle had never been a warm and comforting mother. Gabby had this realization that she would never get the love from her mom that she needed when she had an awful nightmare. Little Gabby had dreamed that her mom had died in this dream and it scared her. So she woke up crying and she went to make sure that her mom was okay. And when Gabby woke Michelle up, Michelle was pissed. She told Gabby to go back to sleep, to stop crying. She didn't care about the dream. And I mean, I Gabby didn't know what she was expecting because her mom had barely ever showed any of the kids affection. At most, they would maybe get a kiss goodnight. But it was this night that she realized that she could not ever turn to her mom for comfort. So she started reading books like crazy and she used those to cope. And while the four children were living in misery, they also didn't know any different and they did believe that their childhood was normal. 
happier childhoods that they would see on TV seemed like a far off fantasy. Gabby even had the impression that strangers who were nice in public were also aggressive and mean at home because this is the example that she saw Michelle present. To their neighbors and others in the community, Michelle was kind and giving and likable, but behind closed doors, she was filled with rage. So it was as the children started getting older that Michelle's neglect and abuse worsened and turned physical. First, she started making them do wall sits for like upwards of an hour, and then eventually she was hitting them with curling irons, with extension cords, with belt buckles. Michelle would have her children bend over and touch their toes while she hit them with cords and belts on their back. And she did aim for this area on purpose. She never gave them bruises or cuts on their arms or their legs or their face where people at school or outside might see them. In the Evil Lives Here documentary, Gabby broke my heart when she said that she used to think that the scars on her face were ugly. And she got these scars like from her mom. And I thought that was sad. And she said, she was like self-conscious of them but eventually learned to look past them and she barely notices them anymore i thought she didn't do stuff on her face she didn't but like eventually it all gets worse so at this time she didn't oh but eventually they get pulled out of school like gabby's out of school and things just worsen Mm. at this time she didn't but later on she does And Gabby's scars were not ugly. She's beautiful and it shows really what a strong girl she had to be for her entire life. One scar on her eyebrow came from being hit by a two by four, like a wood block. And then another scar is on her lip from a toy that was thrown at her. A scar above her right elbow came from being burned by scalding hot water that her mom had thrown on her. And then her back It's 75% covered in scars that came from iron burns, like an iron you iron clothes with. Oh. Is mostly covered with those scars. So just her scars tell you like they were severely abused. Gabby also lost a tooth due to her mother's abuse. One day while they were in the bathroom, Michelle picked up a curling iron and hit Gabby in the mouth with it. Her tooth had broken off and into her mouth. It became really bloody, and Gabby says that immediately Michelle's demeanor had changed. She started apologizing, but she says that Gabby, she tells Gabby that she needs to tell everybody that she was playing rough with her little brother and that he got her in the face with a toy. And Gabby recalls that this was the first time Michelle had hit her in the face. And that's why she thinks her mom was so panicked because now somebody would see that something did happen. So they came up with this story that um, Gabby was playing with her little brother. And then she also had to tell people that she didn't want her tooth fixed at the dentist because she thought it was unique. Because Michelle did not want to take her kids to the dentist or the doctor Of course, because she feared that all these scars and bruises would be noticed and she didn't want Child Protective Services being called on her. Okay. Now we come to August 30th, 2012, and this is the first time that Gabby realizes her life is in danger under the care of her mom. 
a week or so earlier, Gabby and Michelle had caught the youngest son playing with two little army dolls. Michelle thought these dolls looked to be in a compromising position, meaning she thought that there was some sexual innuendo behind what her youngest son was doing. And this set Michelle off. She starts asking her youngest son if he was being taught that by someone and if someone was doing that to him. And while he said no at first, he eventually said yes, but simply because Michelle would not let it go. She berated him until he agreed that this had happened to him. So Michelle became obsessed with this like idea that her youngest son was being sexually abused. And then Michelle's obsession focused on who did this to him. And she started to blame his older brother, Stephen, who was nine years old at this time. The youngest son was about six years old. And the little boy kept telling his mom no, that this did not happen, that Stephen did not abuse him, but Michelle fixated on it. Gabby remembers Michelle screaming, asking over and over if it was Stephen, until the little boy finally said yes. There is no evidence that this ever actually happened, although Michelle sticks to her claims that her older children abused their youngest brother sexually and by urinating on him. She like uses this as her justification for abusing them so badly. But Gabby never saw any of this happen and she believes that her youngest brother was just scared of their mom and finally agreed to what she was like questioning him about over and over just to please her. So once the little boy said yes, Michelle lost her mind. Gabby remembers her going upstairs to grab an extension cord that she then wrapped around nine-year-old Steven's neck, using it to fling him over her shoulder onto her back. And then she walked upstairs and put Steven into the master bedroom. Over the next week, Michelle kept Steven isolated from his siblings and she tortured her young son. Gabby recalls Steven having trash bags over his head. He wasn't allowed to eat anything and that Steven had endured so much blunt force trauma to his head that it was starting to look misshapen. Throughout this week, Gabby wanted badly to tell someone at school or just someone on the street but she feared her mom deep to her core, and she didn't think anyone would believe her, and would they even care? Michelle would later state in a confession that she punched Stephen, quote, everywhere. She kicked him, made him drink Windex, tied a belt around his neck, and she poured hot water onto him. She also burnt, well, and this burned him to the point that his skin was peeling off. And she had also forced him into a boiling bathtub until his feet had blistered. So he was like really being tortured and he's nine years old. So did she, does it say much about her background? Yeah. Well, was she abused? She claims later, which I will talk about in a prison interview at the end, she does claim that she was sexually abused. So she says this is why she like had this reaction to the idea that her oldest son was abusing their youngest kid. But but she thought physical abuse was okay and torture. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I th I don't even know if she believed that 
or well I mean Gabby says she did become obsessed with it but I don't know if she just wanted to abuse them and use that in her mind to justify what she was doing yeah because she was already abusive leading up to this point like how do people even abuse others like you think you would feel like your conscience wouldn't let you do that and to your children well yeah a nine-year-old and also like your nine-year-old son isn't sexually abusing your youngest son if he for no reason if he is he's nine so where'd he learn it from where'd yeah. that come from where like he also would learn probably that. her yeah. i'm a, exactly who knows if she was abusing her like kids like that because she was doing all this other abuse so you know she puts it out there but it's only her who says this like even later when after she's arrested like the kids never say like the youngest kid never says he was sexually abused they just like did not find those claims to be true so while gabby struggled with what she should do her mom called her into the kitchen one night telling her that she believes steven had learned his lesson and she is going to stop punishing him but the next day, Gabby's world started to crumble because Stephen was weak. Michelle called Gabby into the master bedroom where Stephen was lying on the floor. And Michelle told Gabby to say goodbye to her brother. And this part really pisses me off because Michelle was leaning over Stephen, telling him that she's so sorry and that she loved him. And Gabby watched Stephen weakly let out an I love you too. Michelle is so selfish to even be telling him, you just killed him over the course of like a week or two, torturing him after you abused him for his whole life. And now you're telling him you're sorry that you killed him and you're going to let him tell you that he loves you as his last words. You're going to let his last words be that he loves you who just murdered him. It like pisses me off. <laughs> oh my goodness. So he was dying, but, and she knew it, but she didn't get him help. Yeah. So she, like, could tell he was dying. And so she, like, hurried and called Gabby and told her to say goodbye to her brother. And this is, like, she said her mom's, like, crying, holding him, telling him she loves him. And he tells his mom, I love you too. Which also just goes to show, like, how pure and innocent kids are like his mom just beat him to death and he is like going to still tell her that he loves her that's sad mm, that is sad i know like i hate her i i hate her so gabby she does kiss her little brother's forehead just before he takes his last breath and that breath breath actually gave her hope she kind of looked to her mom for confirmation that steven was actually going to be okay but Michelle says no, it was his last. Gabby said she will never forget the sound that he made as he passed. And although she didn't show emotion in front of her mother almost ever, she did not care in this moment. She said she fell to the floor in a puddle of tears, broken at what she had just witnessed. And if that wasn't traumatic enough to watch her own brother die after being abused by her mom, Michelle forced Gabby to participate in concealing Stephen's small body. His monkey bed cover was taken off of his bed and Michelle wrapped Stephen inside of it. 
Then Gabby was ordered to help pick him up and take him down the stairs, where he was placed in a deep freezer. Oh my gosh. And she knew. How old was she by this time? So 14 years old, and she's having to help her mom carry her dead brother downstairs and put him in the deep freezer. And this isn't downstairs in the basement. This is like downstairs in the main living area of the apartment, like by the kitchen. They had a deep freezer. Upstairs was just the bedroom. So he's not like hidden away. Gabby said she walked by that freezer every single day and it like freaked her out because he ends up being in there for almost three years. Think of the like mind control that that mother had on a 14 year old because she was still going to school yeah and most 14 year olds would be like yeah no yeah i'm done yeah go to school and tell someone but she was like yeah that abused that she couldn't was i think scared for her own life or her siblings life if she did tell i think ultimately she gets scared that if she tells someone the siblings that are at home like her little brother are gonna be killed before police get there or like as police get there. So she's just terrified to tell anyone. And yeah, it is like so much mind control after just, I guess, abusing somebody for their entire life. Very sad. So helping her put her own tiny brother into a freezer was something that did not feel real. She thought to herself that maybe in the morning they would all wake up and open the freezer to find Steven telling them that he's okay. But that was not the reality here. And as the days passed by, Stephen's absence was profound. Stephen Gage Barry was the cutest little guy with like the biggest smile. And he was very loved by his brothers and sisters and very well liked at school. Now, Gabby knew that she had to tiptoe around her mom, being very careful not to set her off. Life was sad and lonely before this moment for Michelle's children, but now their life was terrifying. Michelle practiced the girls' stories with them each morning she sent them off to school. Because Michelle is 14 when Stephen's killed and her little sister Stoney is 12. So both of them would go to school. And the sister knew that he died? Yeah, all the kids knew that their brother had been killed by their mom and so Michelle would practice with them saying that they needed to tell anyone who asked that Stephen was no longer around because he was at his dad's house or his aunt's house and of course Michelle didn't go through these stories with her girls kindly she berated them she got upset when they didn't reiterate the story exactly how she wanted them to and Gabby considered running away But she couldn't get herself to do it because there was no way she would leave her siblings behind to endure the wrath of Michelle alone. Gabby also had a teacher that she really loved and looked up to, and she thought often about telling this teacher. But the fear instilled deep inside of her by her mom was too strong. In the first few months following Stephen's death, Michelle let up on the abuse a bit, but this wouldn't last long. Just nine months later, Michelle gets obsessed with this idea again that her youngest son was being sexually abused. Gabby says that just like the first time, her little brother told their mom no, this wasn't happening. But Michelle would not let it go. 
She asked her son over and over again if it was his older sister, Stoney, that had been abusing him this way. He kept telling his mom that Stoney did not do this to him, until Michelle threatened to beat him if he did not tell her. Out of fear, this young boy finally says yes, an answer that his mom had forced out of him. And with that, the monster inside Michelle came back out. Michelle grabs Stoney and starts beating her. She's slamming Stoney against the wall, and just like she did with Stephen, she isolated her from her siblings, and Michelle refused to let Stoney eat. She would only give her one bowl of oatmeal each day. And later, Michelle will say that Stoney was lucky to even get that bowl. She seems like very hateful of Stoney, and I don't know why. Later on, while she justifies the murders because she says they were both abusing her youngest son, she will say that Stevens was an accident, but Stoney's was on purpose, and she does not regret it. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Like, she has a lot of hate for Stoney. You know, like, she was crying over Steven, telling him she's sorry, but this is not the case with Stony. Stony's, if you can even believe it, is even a little worse than Stevens. I don't I don't know why she's like so hateful of this child of hers. So Gabby was terrified when this starts to happen because she knew her brother's fate once their mom had focused the abuse onto him. And she did not want to see this happen to another sibling. She was filled with hope when her mom tells her that there's going to be an inspection of the house. The inspection is happening because Child Protective Services had been called on Michelle, and they were involved two different times. In fact, it's reported that the abuse allegations were substantiated, meaning that CPS did find Michelle to be abusing her children, but she was allowed to retain custody. Does it say who called on her? Um, I know one of the times after Stoney's death is by one of Stoney's teachers. Oh. But I don't know who called on her this time before Stoney is killed. Hmm. Yeah. So, so they found I, abuse, but they just probably made a family plan to safety plan to keep them reunited with the parents. Yeah. Like you substantiated the abuse. And this lady has a dead body in her freezer. Like these And then you just let the kids stay there. That do <laughs> let them stay. If something happens to the kid, they should be prosecuted. I know. It's like in the Gabriel Hernandez. Yeah. That's his name, right? Yeah. Where it's like he, they knew he was being abused and they let him stay. And then he ended up being murdered. Yep. But they got him, right? I don't rem. I actually think that those social workers went to court but they they lost their jobs and they went to court but then I don't think they actually got found guilty I think I could be dead wrong I haven't looked into that story for a long time because I watched the first episode of that documentary years ago and I bawled the entire time and then I couldn't I couldn't move on I couldn't watch any more of it I mean it's sad because it's not just the social worker's fault. Yeah. It's like a whole Which system. is true. Like, obviously, people are in the Breakdown, system right? hoping to do a good job. They, I'm sure they go into it wanting to help. Most of them. Yeah. There's, like, not enough 
places to like take them out of the home to put them somewhere there's also attorneys that like you know the attorney generals that work with and decide and make the call yeah it's the entire system yep is just broken yep and it's like i don't know how to fix it because i'm no expert but like it needs fixed because there are way too many children being but the abused. top down like if a kid gets murdered at the top down should get sued like include those attorneys include all those people that made the decisions not to take them out of the home especially if you found that the abuse was was substantiated yeah like okay if you're tricked and you end up being like totally you end up going in and thinking like these kids are not being abused like the parents hide it very well i mean what can you do but you substantiated that abuse was happening and you left the kids there. Yeah. That's when they should get in trouble because it's like you knew. Yep. I it's so infuriating. So Yeah, they substantiated it, but Michelle keeps her children. And with this inspection coming up, Michelle had become sort of frazzled. Keep in mind, this inspection is happening while her son, Stephen, has been in the freezer for almost a year and her daughter, Stoney, is being severely abused. So Michelle asks Gabby to start scrubbing the walls where in the bedroom there was blood smears from the abuse of Stephen. And after Gabby cleans the entire house, Michelle puts Stoney under one of the beds where she drapes the sheets down around the bottom. Michelle tells Stoney to stay completely silent. Now, although there were three inspectors and Gabby was being asked about her life at home, fear kept her from saying anything. She felt her mom's presence nearby each time she was interviewed. So ultimately, like I said, the kids remain with Michelle. All they had to do was look under the bed or open the freezer, but that didn't happen. And once CPS was out of the picture this time, the torture of Stoney ensued. She was absolutely brutalized. And then Gabby witnesses one of the worst things she had ever seen, which is extreme considering what she had already endured by this point in her life. Gabby watches her mom beat Stoney with a two by four board. And when she hits Stoney in the temple on her head, blood starts squirting out and Michelle yells, whoa, would you look at that? And then Michelle grabs a black pajama shirt that she wraps around Stoney's neck and strangles her. At the conclusion of this attack, Stoney is barely conscious, but she is not dead. She's still breathing. But Michelle still forces Gabby to help her pick up Stoney and carry her down to the freezer. Stoney is set into the freezer on top of Stephen's body, but Stoney is still trying to breathe. This was one of the worst moments of Gabby's life, and she would go on to feel much more guilty about Stoney's death than she had in Stephen's, explaining that the last thing Stephen remembers his older sister doing was kissing him on the forehead. He didn't know that Michelle had ordered Gabby to help hide his body, but now Stoney was laying in the freezer alive. Gabby said through tears on the Evil Lives Here documentary that the last thing her sister would remember is that she helped their mom put her into the freezer. 
When Michelle saw that Sony was still alive after being placed in the freezer, she grabs a plastic bag and tries to suffocate her with it. But when Sony does not pass away quickly, Michelle gives up and says, quote, you know what, it, you're as good as gone anyway. And then she closes the freezer. As Gabby broke down in tears, Michelle told her, quote, don't cry over that, that hurt your brother. And then Michelle just left Sony there alone to die inside the freezer. Wow. And she was still 14 or is she 15 now? Um, Gabby would be about 15 now and Stoney was about 13. 13 years old, she is put inside the freezer, barely conscious, but still alive. So she died sometime after being placed in that freezer. Oh my gosh. Isn't that so that terrible? Mother is messed up. Yeah. It's like one of the worst things I've heard of. And just, like, so cold about it. Yeah. Like, your good is gone anyway, and then just shuts the freezer. Like, that is the last thing this little girl remembers. That is sad. Hopefully, our bodies are pretty resilient, and she just was in and out of consciousness, consciousness and doesn't remember. I know. And hopefully, just lost consciousness. I know. I hope so, too. Because that was, like, devastating to hear. And Gabby, she was devastated. She described her little sister as friendly with the biggest smile, a girl who was social and loved meeting new people. Stoney had a warm and kind personality and everyone loved her. If their mom could murder Stoney, Gabby knew she was next. She was sure that she wouldn't live to see her 18th birthday. And Michelle told her as much threatening that if she stepped out of line at all, she was next. Michelle would allow Gabby out of the house to do different things like run errands, but she would also tell her that she can, quote, go out and be free and be whatever hoe you want, but if you bring the police, I will take your brother and kill him and then kill myself. Ugh, I know, I was thinking like, Man, she must have just played such mind games on her because as a 15-year-old, you would know, like you could say, yeah, my mom's doing this. Go look in the freezer. Yeah, like I'll take you there right now. And she would go to jail. Right. You know, so it's it's sad that she had such fear that she couldn't really see what would really happen, you know? Yeah, like she was so scared of her mom that like it seemed like there was no option. At 15, I mean that she's pretty old. At 50, yeah, she is. And by I mean you you know, by the time Michelle is caught, Gabby is 17. Dang. I think she was just trying to survive her childhood and get out of there. That just just such mind control she had over her. Like she just had that fear embedded into her. And she, Gabby said, quote, I was afraid to walk by the freezer. Every time I came downstairs to eat breakfast or play a video game, I had to walk right past that freezer. So like every day, knowing her brother and sister are dead in that freezer, she had to go by it. Oh. 
And after Stoney passed away, she was obviously no longer attending school. Stoney wasn't. And one of her teachers took notice. Eric Freeland, who worked in the Detroit public school system, had reported Stoney being absent from school to a DPS agent. But weeks later, when Stoney continued to be missing from school, Eric called CPS. And what they told him was harrowing to look back on when he learned of Stoney's murder. CPS told him, quote, in the state of Michigan, a lack of school attendance is not neglect. And this like really pissed him off looking back because he's like, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, she was killed and there were other kids in that home. So maybe you should have looked into it. And this is not the first time this family has been called on. Yeah, exactly. And it's also not the first kid of theirs that just stopped going to school. And, you know, he took notice. Stoney didn't come to school for the rest of the school year or the following year. Ultimately, Michelle also pulled her two other children out of school so that she would stop being questioned. She said she was homeschooling her children. And with that, the school system, or any system, was out of her hair. And what's scary to me is that in many states, including here in Idaho, they do not require anything when you homeschool. You can literally say, I'm homeschooling, and that's that. They don't check on you. They don't make sure you're teaching your children. They don't do crap. And that, like, pisses me off because I was talking to my one friend about it because she homeschools and like she obviously didn't think of it in that way because she said something like oh yeah like they don't they don't check anything and I was like well that's like dangerous as heck for kids that are being abused and she's like oh I like never thought about it like that because to her she's like why do I need to tell them what I'm doing with my children but when you think about it when it comes down to how many children are abused like, you need some sort of protocol to at least make sure these children are being taught. To at least make sure parents aren't just saying, oh, I'm homeschooling. Oh, yeah. Check, check that they're learning something. They should have tests or something, I think. They should have some sort of requirement. And also to make sure that parents like this are not taking advantage of that. Yeah. Because it's the same with the Turpin children. Yep. The Turpins were, were able to just be like, I'm homeschooling. And then for years, no one knows they're abused because they're just isolated in their home. Yeah. Like you have to check. I just think that's crazy to me that you can just pull your kid out of school. Like for abused kids, being at school is usually one of the only safe places. So once they're pulled out, it's like you just don't know what's going to happen to that kid. Yeah. Because like, yeah, homeschooling can be a blessing for many families. And obviously most mothers are want their kids to like learn and like thrive. But there are monsters in this world and yeah, there has to be some sort of accountability. There should be some checks and balances here and there. I'm not saying like check them every month, but there should be some kind of check. Something. Yeah. Even if the moms aren't abusing them. And they're doing good. Like, there still should be. <laughs> exactly. Michelle, she was also during this time collecting state benefits on all of her children, including the children who lay dead in her freezer. And still for years, their deaths went unnoticed. Until March of 2015, when Michelle receives an eviction notice. Now, what 
what benefits does she get for that? I'm not really sure. If she's like collecting food stamps, if she's just like saying like she has this many kids and yeah. Yeah, saying she has like four kids, so she's getting this much in food stamps, this much in, you know, I don't know what you really get. Yeah. And so she, you know, these deaths, they continue to go unnoticed until March of 2015, which keep in mind, Stephen was killed in 2012 and then Stoney's killed in 2013. So it has been years and Michelle receives an eviction notice. She was a little more than $2,000 behind on her rent. And although she had lived here at this apartment complex for 10 years, she was now being kicked out. Gabby remembers that her mom was panicking and Gabby thought for sure this is where her life would end. She was positive that Michelle would take her kids' lives before taking her own because the gig is up. Her mom had nowhere else to hide Stephen and Stoney's bodies. On March 24, 2015, an eviction crew is sent to the Martin Luther King Apartments in Detroit to carry out this eviction notice. Michelle takes her kids to the neighbor's home as all of this starts to go down. Gabby, as she's going to the neighbor's, She's afraid, but she's also excited because it seems like she might be getting away from her mom because Michelle asks this neighbor if she can watch her kids. And then Michelle even explains to this neighbor that Stephen and Stoney are dead and that they have been for two years and she's been hiding them. Oh, Michelle tells the neighbor? Yeah, because that eviction crew's in her house at this time. Oh, okay. So she's letting her neighbor know, like, my kids are in there. Can you watch my kids? Like, I'm about to be arrested. And so they send Gabby and her younger brother upstairs. And she there. there's a TV on. And Gabby sees their front door on the news. And police announcing that they had found a body in the freezer. On the news, they said that they had found an old woman. Because... I don't know, just that's what they thought it was, one body and an old woman, and then later they find out it's actually two children. And then just minutes later, there is a voice calling their names because the police were there, their mom was in handcuffs, and she was calling up to them to come down. Michelle is telling Gabby that she loves her and she's sorry, and she asks Gabby for a hug, which Gabby... Like goes in for a hug. Yeah. And she said like this moment like made her really angry because she knew her mom didn't care. But again, like it's so weird because it's like you literally did horrible things to these kids and now you're being arrested and you're like you're needing that affection back from them. Like, I'm sorry, please give me a hug. Just kind of like you did with Steven. Like, I love you. And then you like want him to say he loves you, too. It's so weird. And I hate her for that. (laughs) Don't make your kids give you affection. You are awful to them. (laughs) So Michelle's taken to the Wayne County Jail. She ends up pleading guilty after signing an eight-page confession signed at 6 p.m. on the day that the bodies were discovered. This confession was reiterated to Judge Dana Hathaway, who sentenced Michelle to life in prison without parole for the murders of Stephen Gage Berry and Stoney Ann Blair. Michelle also goes to court over the rights of her surviving children. The court wanted to terminate both Michelle's rights and the father's rights. And Michelle wanted to retain custody of Gabby and her younger son. 
How? I know. I don't know how she thought she would do that, but she wanted to and she was fighting for it. So she pled guilty and didn't have to go to court for the murder charge. But for her kid, she she was going to court. And she just kept talking about her children who were living, Gabby and her youngest son. And she kept telling the court that she will always be their mom. It's like, no, (laughs) nope, you won't actually. You're not their mom anymore. Goodbye. And so she's also, you can see a YouTube video of her losing her mind at one point and she gets taken out of, um, she gets like taken out of the, why can't I think of it? The courtroom. And she is just like scary. When you see her like get all angry, you can just tell she is not well in the head. (laughs) And so she's like starts yelling out and she's screaming about the fathers of her children yelling, quote, I did it. I never tried to say I didn't. I did it. But that does not negate the fact that they were never there for their children which I don't know what her point was. Like she's saying, yeah, I killed them, but like the dads were never around. Okay. Okay. I would literally rather a parent not be around than a parent kill them. Yeah. Maybe you should have followed in their footsteps and not been around (laughs) and given your children to somebody else. So ultimately the rights of all parents were terminated, Michelle's and the father's. And Gabby moved in with her great aunt and then her other aunt adopted her youngest brother so they were able to stay in close contact I think and um, she would see her mom on the news when she was at her aunt's house and she felt disgusted and embarrassed that that is what she came from she said her mom always justified the murders saying that if she had the chance she would do it again and okay why I know because she says that they were sexually abusing her youngest kid. Yeah, but still, you wouldn't wish that your child would die from that? I know. it. She is literally unwell. She's she insane. She is psychotic, truly. And at first, Gabby wanted her mom to have the death penalty, but she decided that that would be murder. M- murder? She decided that that would be mercy. Because she wanted her mom to live thinking of everything she had done and live with that pain. And Gabby had a lot of survivor's guilt. Like she felt guilty for surviving because she figured her whole life that by the time she turned 18, she would also be in that freezer. And she did feel like she should have died with them. I think she also feels a lot of guilt because she had to help her mom put them in there. Watched it help happen. Yeah. And so that was like really hard for her to go through. And then, like I mentioned earlier, there was a prison interview by True Crime Daily. They went to the Huron Valley Correctional Facility in Michigan, where Michelle is serving her time. And she sat down for an interview. She said that she was sexually abused as a kid and that she told her mother and her mother had said to her, what do you want me to do about it? And then Michelle said she had to go back to her room and she had to, quote, sit there and look stupid. Then she also said that she had to watch her mom still have that person as a friend and her mom kept that person coming in and out of their house. Michelle says that she doesn't stand for people that touch and molest kids. But she likes people that kills them. (laughs) (laughs) She thinks that's okay. Yeah. It's just such a weird morals like, you shouldn't sexually abuse, but, I mean, if I'm going to murder him, that's okay. No, that doesn't make sense, Michelle. 
And she claims like that she always talked to her kids about it. So they definitely knew it's something they shouldn't be doing, which guess what? They probably weren't doing because they were really scared of you. Yeah. And your son literally told you no both times you asked him about each sibling and you forced him to say yes. And Michelle ultimately in this interview says, quote, I don't care what anybody think. She had to go, period. Talking about Stoney. So Gabby was still, still to this day, is angry at her mom. But she says that she doesn't have the unbridled rage that she used to have. She said that knowing her mom won't be out of prison ever is some sort of closure. On Gabby's 24th birthday, Michelle reached out from prison and she said her mom was bawling like a baby and was super remorseful, saying she was sorry and that she does actually love Stephen and Stoney. And Gabby said she had stopped herself from saying it's okay because she said when someone's like telling you they're sorry, you could, a lot of times you just want to be like, it's okay. Yeah. And she said like, it's not okay, but she just said, I know you are. Like, I know you're sorry, I guess. And Gabby said that she personally will never forgive her mom, but she felt relief after that phone call, knowing her mom was remorseful and got a little happy knowing what remorse and guilt will do to you and that it will tear you down from the inside. Mm. And so she actually felt good that her mom called her and said that because she wants her mom to feel to feel that pain yeah. and then you know Michelle still remains in prison today she I didn't write this down but I had looked a lot into it she has so many like write-ups at the prison <laughs> like so many from spitting on officers she's peed in like a can and then threw it on officers and other inmates. She like has spit on other inmates. So she's getting in trouble all the time. She is just an aggressive, wow, angry person. She's very rehabilitated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she was awful out here. She was awful in there. And she, I see no, I mean, she's life without parole. So she's not getting out regardless. And Good. We don't need that thing in society. Yeah, she's one of the worst moms I have ever heard of. That is a very sad story of Stoney and Stevens' murders by their own mom. Thanks for listening. We love and appreciate each and every one of you. And if you could share our podcast with your friends and family, we would highly appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Charlie Waters. Today I'm going to be giving you a palate cleanser. We're going to talk about ancient Egypt. Did you know Egyptian women had lots of rights and freedoms? They could buy and sell property, serve andries and have legal contracts. They didn't really work outside the home, but when they did, they got equal pay. They also had the right to divorce and remarry. Bye, have a great day.
After listening to this episode, I encourage all of you to visit preventchildabuse.org. There you can find the organization Prevent Child Abuse America, where they are working hard to make sure that all children grow up in loving and safe homes. On their website, you can find how to donate, how to volunteer your time, and how to support them. You can also see what they do, where they work, and who they are and what they stand for. Any organization that is fighting against child abuse, I support, and I highly encourage you all to do the same.